river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 99. So, if you remember where we were up to when last we left you, then? Uh, so, the last thing that happened was that I had a kingdom turn. Yep. It's the month of Abadias. Um, I built a town in Lakeview, a garrison in Merkvale. Um, it's a garrison of lizard folk, and the... Um, army is called Hoyakva, which um, is about the real name of Merkview, it about um, relates to both Merkvale and some kind of warlord. Yes, I am reading from my crew notes. Well, that's what you get when you let Meredith dictate things from other campaigns, will you? Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's I wanted an ethnic lizard folk name, because apparently I'm calling things that aren't the ethnic lizard folk names. So now I'm using the ethnic wizard book now, mm-hmm. which is much more difficult to pronounce. But I figured me getting it wrong only fits in with me. <laughs> That's totally what Kelly would do. He would mispronounce it. All right. Um, so, yeah, we built the lizard folk army. Um, there were a bunch of displaced people because of the recent um, invasions and such like. So we yep. need to build some more houses for them. Yep. And Need Thunderhoof is now the viceroy of... Um, Vanhold. Vanhold, because it's a time of war. Much to the delight of everyone. Yeah, well, um, I'm not certain anyone thinks that was the right call, but it's the central custom, and, you know, I've been benefiting from a core all this time, so I'm pretty much stuck with this, unless I want to go against the basic principles of central society, which I'm not really about. Which you can, if you choose. No, I'm not really about that. Well, you can win the war quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, you know, it's a, um... You know, I just kind of wish... Obviously, I wasn't going to have a core of Silverfire serve as my general, but I kind of wish I could swap Van and Deneed over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just have her be the general. Although it is a pretty he- um, heavy campaign, and I do kind of want Van there. Anyway, yeah, so what was going to happen next was I was potentially going to go adventuring in... Um, Pytax. In Pytax. Yep. Because um, we don't presently have a road very far south, but Caelan would probably come over, rather than wading through a ton of swamp, would probably come over the nice road from Fort Drelev, yep. 
and um, or indeed be in Fort Greyland when he starts exploring, yeah. and then hike down. At which point, based on where the nice terrain is, um, he would be planning to head into Pytax around B1. Sure. So remember, Mivon is to the east of that map. Yep. Um, so row G, essentially. Yep. Is that east or west? Uh, east. Uh, east is um, east is Stagthorn. West is Mivon of the Hooktun Slough. Ah, yes, yes. The Pytaxian map I'm talking. About. Oh, right. Yes. Um, so. Ah, uh, yes, so, um, yes, um, uh, move on is to the east. Okay, so, it would generally, it would generally be considered a poor idea to march your armies through Mivon without seeking their permission, which they might well actually just grant you without blinking, or they might ask for some small concession for it or something. Um, but in terms of Kaelin personally going there with a party member, like, Mivon won't even blink at you walking through their lands. They're unlikely to notice, let alone care. And we have a free, we have a free passage agreement. Yes. I don't think that's meant to, I can't remember offhand if that's meant to apply to armies or if it's just meant to apply to individual people, but I'm certain it's meant to apply to individual people. Citizens. It, it is quite certainly meant to apply to individual people. Um, and it's actually meant to apply to, yes, in fact, you've already done this one, haven't you? Yes, so you can indeed move your armies through your territory. Um, you would expect to be routinely shadowed by Mivanese scouts to keep an eye on what the hell you're doing yeah. to stop you raising and burning their cities on the way through. Which is perfectly valid. But, um, yes, Mivon is permitted to move their armies through your territory, which I believe they've already actually done once, heading up to Brivoy for something or other. I think that, yeah, I think they did send some some guys through. At, at the least, Rastaline has sent a large convoy of soldiers up to escort her or Darman Jotelson. That's right, there. because they went up for that treaty with Brevoy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they literally signed the free passage agreement with me and then immediately used it to move an army through Stagthorn. Yeah, they've played civilization too. Yeah. <laughs> you get the free trade agreement. And so then you move your army in and then you invade them. Yeah. Except for the part where they invaded me. Well, you know, the day is young. Yeah. Right, so the basic idea is I can come down through Mivon, which is a sh- potentially a shorter route. Correct. They have asked you to, or it, it's, whether it's shorter or not, it's simply a different route. It's yeah. one accessible to you. Cool. Um, they have asked you to notify them. In terms of moving Kalen, you don't need to do anything with that. You yeah. just go ahead and do it. In terms of moving an army through, you need to notify them, which is one of those things where unless you expressly tell the GM otherwise, I just assume you're doing it as yep. part of your general background diplomatic relations. Yes. The, um, inlet, I'll tell you if I'm endeavouring to mount a surprise attack or move on, otherwise you should assume that... Yeah, um, yeah. That, it would be nice for the GM to know when you're going to war with other victims. But, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's not really something I can do without your cooperation. You know, I can go talk to myself and agree that I invaded and move yeah, on one, yeah. but it won't really have much impact but, on the universe. But given that you have three fairly extensively named kingdoms on your borders now in Mivon, Dagamark, and the former Brevoy. You know, time on is down here, but... Um, yeah, yeah. It's nice to know who's they're in on... The, they're in the region that's off the campaign map. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to know who's on my border, but um, I won't expect them to play a big role in the campaign. And the Rushlight Tournament took place in what's basically one of the edges of G1. Because uh, if, yeah. you, if you remember, it was on the four uh, borders uh, of your land, Mivon's, uh, Dragon's, uh, and etc., etc. Because that was the most convenient for everyone. Uh, so you already know, you can in fact mark that one as being grassland. 
G1, yep. yep. Uh, you have, however, definitely not explored it. No, because I didn't... It, and things may well have changed since the Rushlight tournament. It might yeah, now yeah. be full of armies and murderous dragons and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, um... Most... A year and a half ago? The Rushlight tournament was a while ago now, so... Yeah. And, you know... Uh, what I did was I I know I know in intimate detail one small corner of it yes. where the rushlight tournament was and we didn't really and and the bit that we walked through to get to that so I've explored perhaps the twentieth of the hex yeah two years ago cool. <laughs> all right um so I think with um move on being a nice rivery sort of area it is going to be easier to um. Um, explore um, to come down their their route because I can come straight from Stagthorn via that um, boat route down to that little city. Yep, and then just hike. Um, yep, or indeed you can uh, continue to follow the rivers through Mivon and come out where that comes out into Pytax. Yep, which would do, a somebody in Mivon would probably pass that information to you pretty trivially, and yep. b um, you could just sail and find out. Yep. So I'm not giving you a map of Mivon at this stage, but basically you've got um, Lake Hooktun. Yep. The rivers go down into Mivon. They go across Mivon. They weave off into Mivon because the River Kingdoms. There's rivers everywhere. Yep. Um, and it comes in on G4. Cool. Um, basically well, directly from the east. Cool. Thank you. Okay. So sort of Middish hex. And this is a pretty big thick, wide river, it's definitely, you know, proper ships would be able to pass through here. Cool. So what I'll probably do is ex- is do, like, loops. Yep. Like, come in from Greyleaf and go out through Mivon or the reverse, so yep. that I've got, um, and I'll try and close up that, that area and get a handle on what's where. Yep. So basically, this river is, is actually... Seagoing ship capable, but you know that it ceases to be so by the time you hit Drayleaf's lands. And again, you could trivially find out Mivon has another river that springs off this one that runs down through Mivon, rolls around Pytax, and goes through Timon out to sea. Cool. Uh, I believe coming out in the sea that borders on Catapetch on the other side. Neat. So. Alright, so um, I believe I will take Michaela. Um, and we'll go. I. We're probably going to travel with, um, I'll try traveling with the other two non-disguise or or stick-oriented party members, but given it's my first ever time in the territory, Michaela and I will disguise ourselves as not Michaela Morag and Kayla Thorne. We're not really probably going for, like, we don't, we're not trying to go to Pytaxia. Yeah. We don't need a big fancy disguise. We just need to be a little bit less. You're just kind of generically wandering mercenary adventurer types. Yeah, I mean, all we really need to do is, is muffle the, look yeah. at me, I'm Kaelin armor. Yeah, I mean, as a, look at me, I'm Michaela armor. This and, the, I mean, we, we're wearing a lot of gear where we look like mercenaries. This is the D&D universe. Nobody's gonna blink at the conception that there's two heavily armed mercenaries wandering around. Yeah. So, Look, they must be adventurers. Yeah, we we disguise ourselves as ra- random mercenaries. Yep. And um, head down the river from Mivon. Yep. And um, logic would suggest it's try and explore G four. You've got that falling boat, haven't you? Uh yes, I would imagine. Yeah. And I took it off. Um, I, I believe Corn explicitly left it to. Oh, neat. Well. That's awesome. 
Cool. Then I shall put it on my character sheet. I can't remember if we did that on screen because Corwin's been gone for a while, but it was. I remember. Was... I remember you reading his will and him making fun of me in his will. I don't. Rem- I didn't remember him leaving the either folding boat, but it's entirely possible. I just. I was distracted yeah. by you know him making fun of me in his will. <laughs> so you have a folding boat. Kill. Corwin's folding boat, presumably. Which you may list as folding boat or folding boat Corwin's. Uh, list as folding boat Corwin's. Yes. We are, of course, tragically lacking Corwin, which means that the sailing, the sailing is pretty, you know, laughable. Yeah. But, and in fact, I feel like Corwin is laughing at us because that's totally what he would do. Yeah. I also make Michaela change it. We both change out of our plate because, you know, I don't think she's tremendously awesome at swimming at the best of times and I like Corwin, she can't do it in plate. Yeah, I mean, you She and, can carry her tower shield round all day, I'm okay with that. You and Michaela have now done enough sailing, and you're not inherently foolish people. Yeah. That you can both take ten on a sailor check, and as long as the boat is operating on this pretty calm river under normal conditions, you have no trouble. It's when you get to, oh, there's an interesting cave over there, let's, uh, we're gonna have to work out how to turn around now. Yeah. Screw it, let's just go to shore and walk back. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think we, whether or not we do well enough for the average bear, I think we don't do well enough that Corwin would mock us were he here. So, do you want to follow the river, or do you want to get out and go by land? Um, I think what we want to do is um, sail down the river as far as it goes in this hex, yep. and then um, explore that, and then hop out and yep. explore by land. The advantage of a folding boat is that you can put it away again. So, it crosses largely horizontally from east to west across the middle of the hex. Cool. And at that point, we hop out on one side and explore yep. the top half and then the bottom half. Yep. Um, so can I get the terrain? Yes, it is grassland. Cool. Uh, turning turning vaguely to hills as you go south. Sweet. When you explore this hex, you find nothing in it. As you come to that, possibly I might not. we might not have our horses. Could we get our horses on the boat? Yeah, the the big version of it, which you will easily get down this river, is capable of holding like sixteen men. The cool. little dinghy, no. The big version, yes. Cool. And, and you have no trouble bringing that through Bibon. Cool. And the two of us are okay to sail it. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Again, you're not doing anything compellingly difficult here. Sweet. Cool. Okay. Yes. So I have Windchaser, and Michaela has her horse. Who you know isn't as awesome as Windchaser because ribeye four tastiest horse in all the cows. <laughs> Well, I suspect she cares about them more than Corwin. That wouldn't be hard, but... Yes, yes. Uh, Michaela is not invested in her animal personally, but she has respect for the horse. The horse is a useful tool and a useful conveyance. It's not a friend. Yeah. But also, unlike Corwin, she can actually ride. She is exactly good enough, as good as she needs to be, to control a war horse without really trying. Yeah. Like, to to the extent she's got just enough ranks and ride that she can succeed at the control checks to control a warhorse in combat, and that's where she stopped. Cool. Because she wanted to train to that level of confidence and then didn't care any further. <laughs> Alright. So compared to you and Tristan, who are the most ridiculous horsemen on Earth, yeah. she's, she's complete garbage, but compared to an average rider, Michaela is actually quite good. She is definitely at a professional mercenary riding level. Sweet. Alright, and then we want to walk out of... Um... G4 and into G3. Sure. So this one is grassland as well. Cool. And it is 
unremarkable. Cool. And from there, we head to F2. Okay. At which point something else loads quietly in the background. No problem. So, F2. There's something here. Cool. Something that is reliant on your impressive uh, survival checks. Kellen and his pointed survival words at that tone of voice. Yeah, well, two points in survival. Michaela rolls a one, so... Yeah, well, admittedly, you know, it would have been helpful. Hey, she's got those half-full bonuses to survival. Thank you. Yes, so do I. Uh, 26. And two ranks, and quite good wisdom. Okay. And another synergy bonus. So as you ride through F2, it's grassland again, the whole area smells strongly of rotten eggs, a sulfurous smell that you know enough to associate with geysers and boiling water and steam and that sort of area. Ooh. Um, there don't appear to be any um, massive amounts of ponds or rivers or anything here. Your suspicion is that what you've got is this area is mostly valley, flat and du- flat and deep, um, and thus what you've got here is there are underground geysers beneath the surface of the earth. Oh, cool. Um, however, the fact that smell is really strong tells you they ain't that deep. You know, if you dug with a shovel, you would find them trivially. Um which suggests to you that there's very there's the possibility of danger here. Right. In the sense of one of them going just punch up through where the pressure gets too much. Right, yep. So it's by no stretch of the imagination a deliberate trap or anything, but this hex is actively dangerous to travel through. Okay. Steam grotto is what it's described as here. That's an awesome that's awesome. Is that the whole hex or one particular region of it? Uh it is most of the hex. Cool, so I'll just put steam grotto. There there are Generically, rather than endeavouring to indicate where As you explore it, you actually find several dozen, you know, little, at most, five metres wide kind of things, sulphurous-smelling ponds and unwholesome-smelling springs and that sort of thing. It's just all dotted through here. Okay. And if you are going to press on and continue to explore it... Yep, I'll warn Michaela. And perhaps not put farmland here if this is one day of mine. Okay, so you were sort of just riding along looking round. There's nothing in the area that leaps out at you. And then suddenly, just ahead of, you know, ahead of Michaela's horse, there is the slightest hint of rumbling, and then a <laughs> as the sort of arm-sized stream of boiling water just punches out through the earth and goes up in front and then sprays down on her and her horse. Yes. And they both make reflex saves. Which I'm not sure. Uh, yes, I've still got generic brand horses and you've got wind chaser, haven't you? Yeah, I do indeed have wind chaser. Cool. Yeah, I believe I gave you the generic horse sheet on the basis yeah, that I now have, have wind. Generic horses. Yeah. Okay, so Right. Michaela and her horse both get blasted by this, as there's just, there's almost no warning to it. There's the slight rumble, and then immediately they are sprayed, and the horse screams, and Michaela probably yells as well, as this absolutely murderously boiling water pours all over them. 
and she attempts to shy the horse to one side and then tries to leap off it, both too slow. Um, and the water continues to go sprays out violently, and then maybe as little as 30 seconds later desists, and Michaela is lying on the ground, horribly, horribly burned for 42 points of damage, Ugh. and her horse is lying on the ground and not moving. Yep. Alright. And she gets... Ah! Ah! Kayla! I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I... Ah! Cold water. Ah. And we'll step well away from where this geyser went off and then um, start tipping her water skin heavily over her head and making little noises. Kaylin will um, sk- um, stay here. Um, say to Winchaser from, you know, where he is for, or move back. <laughs> um, no doubt. And, um, we'll skid, dismount with a, a speed and run over, and we'll start by ha- taking a look at Michaela's horse. Yep. Is it deceased? Oh god, yes. Yeah. It has been seriously burnt, um, taking over double its hit points worth of damage. Yeah. And has just been, it almost looks like it's been melted. That's how hot the water is. It's not lava. So it hasn't literally melted the horse away, but it is absolutely searing. Yeah. All right, that's all right. Um, so establishing... And the horse is dead. Yeah. There's no question about it. Establishing that the horse is dead, Caelan will dig out his water skin and um, tip it over Michaela as well. Struggling to find Michaela's voice for a moment. Yeah. Um, so she sort of takes the water and ah, I'm alright ah, in a larger sense yeah I know less <laughs> but she has also taken over half her hit points there yeah but there's a very key distinction between over half your hit points and twice your hit points yeah <laughs> Did not work out well for Team Horse. It does look like her magical armor has soaked some of it. Ah, sweet. <laughs> because her DR applies against this. It's not magic, it's just heat. Yeah. Full plate of invulnerability. So, um, basically, on the basis that, you know, we're in a grassland area and recover more, yeah. I'm going to tip most of the water we have, because we've probably got several water skins, not just one. Yeah. I'm going to tip most of the water we have over Michaela. Yeah. She is going to sit up and... Oh, God, that hurts. Puts a hand on herself and casts Cure Serious Wounds, given how serious her wounds are. Yep. And her wounds begin to retreat and look better, but she is still actually reasonably hurt. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't expect it to be that hot. No, um, 
uh, a bit of a surprise for my own self. I thought we'd have a little bit. I thought we'd be um, dodging out. Had more of a chance to dodge out of its way. They must build up pressure beneath the ground or something and burst it. I, I don't know. Bryn might know. I'm, I'm not a, a survival. I'm not enough of a, a woodswoman. Ah, if we're going to carry on exploring this way. It, it may be quite dangerous. And, uh, I see my horse has not made it. I think um, Winchester will let you ride him, um, but the question is, all right, so at this point, how much exploring have we done and where are not we? Not much. Okay. This is three hours into into your, like, two days. Okay, all right. Um, so um, so we could retrace our steps? Yep. Um, I think at this point we go out the way we came in. Head back to the river in the boat, or at least get out of here. The um, a bit of rest, and we might want to um, try keeping going. Although we'll be a bit slower, um, one of us riding and one of us walking. But we could um, we could do a little bit more exploration round elsewhere. But I think um, that's enough, Steg Grotto. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and um, let's um, if we walk back the way we came in, hopefully that bit isn't as geysery as the rest. Yep. And so you walk out again, and again, now that you're listening for it, you can hear sort of off in the distance that faint momentary, <laughs> just before something goes boom. Yeah. Nothing happens to you guys on the way out, but... I think what we need, I was thinking about what we need to explore this hex, so as we as we make it safely out, oh, that's a relief. You know what we need to do, the, you know what I need to do this? Tristram and his magic flying horses. That does make a certain amount of sense. I think I can... I, I would certainly guess that Iravetti has nothing in here. I can't imagine that one could hide an army in here or build any sort of civilization or buildings in the area. I'd like to explore it to know what's there, but I doubt there'll be anything... Um, any, you're right, I don't think it... I don't think we'll be claiming it in a hurry if we did take this land, and I doubt Erevetti's got anything much in there. Alright. Oh, I think we call call that a day and rest up. Rest up, maybe use some more of your healing on yourself, and we'll have another try on the morrow. Quite. Mm-hmm. So I call that day 14, yep. going in, leaving, yep. and then camping for the rest of the day. Yep. Because we're basically at that point, I encourage Michaela to use about half her he- to use the majority of her healing resource, patching herself back up. Yeah, yeah. Another another cure serious will bring her back to largely okay. Yeah. And then an evening's rest will do the rest of it. Yeah, but on the basis that while you technically can, you know, heal yourself and just roll on and venturing after an experience like that, I like to give us a little bit of time to recover. Yeah, it's not that good. All right, and then. We will go a different way. Instead of exploring G2, we will go... Instead of exploring um, F2, we will go explore G2 in the hopes that it's a bit less filled with geyser. As you stop for the night and keep your watches, um, Windchaser can actually keep a watch if you are happy for him to do it, because he can actually warn you. Yeah, I think... There are things to the east. But I think um, he probably keeps a slightly shorter watch because he's got to carry a heavy lump in the morning. You said it. You said it, not me. <laughs> uh, I will, however, take a um, 
survival check from the two of you, and uh, Winchester as well, because he can actually impart this information to you. Cool. Um, Kaylin gets a... You did something clever with his skills, didn't you? Uh, 24. Um, I... It's been a while. I'll dig his stats out and see what's... I can't remember if you wrote them on Kaylin's character sheet or something in that neighborhood. Oh, yes, I did too. Uh, yes. Do you have unexplained bonuses there or something? Yeah, I've got his spot and his listen. Yep. Uh, uh, wind, cha- uh, wind chases. Right. I don't, ha- I don't, don't have, have his survival. Because it's not as likely to come up. Because uh, we didn't put down all the skills. Yep, yep. We just did the perception ones on the basis that he could amplify me. Yep. He's got nine to spot and listen. Yep. Um, I can... His character sheet will have his... Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have a... I, I may put his survival on. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that he's got ranger levels. Neat. So it's, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, um, it's a, it certainly has. Here he is. Windchaser, talk to me about... He's got a plus five survival bonus. Yeah, so that's at least the equal of anyone in your party. I've got eight. Oh, there we are. Um... It is a very nice survival. Alright, so I'll put Windchaser Survival 5. Here we are. Alright, so yeah, like I said, um, uh, what did I say for Kaelin? 20? I didn't hear. Uh, uh, Windchaser got a, um, 13, and, um, Kaelin got a 22. Because he rolled relatively well. So, you keep your watch carefully. Night passes uneventfully. Kaelin listens out to the various noises of the wilderness and things out there. And you hear, you know, sounds of animals, but nothing that you would particularly worry about. In the sense of, you know, there's there's like deer and birds and wild pigs and rada rada rada. But you don't hear any bears, dragons, gigantic monsters, etc., etc. And to be honest, this area is far enough away from Pytax that you'd really expect to. If anyone's living out here, they're going to be random hunters and trappers and that sort of thing. But the impression you take away over this in the next couple of days is that Iroveti has done a really good job of maintaining these lands against against random external threats. Right. You are not going to be attacked by bears or wolves or, you know, random fey or anything like that. And I'm certainly... There are no random encounters within the Glenborn Uplands. There Uh, there are very possibly monsters out here um, because, you know, Erefeti has an army of wyverns, among other things. Yeah, yeah, and there may be things he's got around. So is that the name of the land, the Glenborn Uplands? The Glenborn Uplands. Nice name. Cool. Um, well, it's, you know, Kingdom of Pytax is what it's named. Yeah, yeah, but all the rest of them, like, yeah, we they, have the Green Belt and yeah, Stag they, they tend to have historical names recorded based on the land type because then people can actually tell when you've got kingdoms popping up every every five years. It's, um... Yeah. Um, so, um... Yeah, but we're not going to find what we did when we poked around Draylive's lands where there were... Swamp mummy, bog mummies, and um, giant e- man-eating, ti- really clever tigers, and yeah. other things that were like tigers but weren't tigers so and you, stuff, all like within you, ten hexes of Fort Draylor. You, you would expect, A, there aren't going to be random encounters here, period. Yeah. I'm not rolling for them, because they're not happening. Yeah. Um, and secondly, if there are monsters living around, 
there's probably been some arrangement of some kind made because Drelev, um, not Drelev, the Clockwork King seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't tolerate Speartooth living next to him and eating his citizens. Yeah. What he'd do is go and sort that crap out eventually. But the, he's a man that you can potentially negotiate with. Yes. So it's entirely possible that, like, the troll army coming to fight us is like them paying off their debt to Uravedi. You know, he said, you can live in this hex and this hex and you can eat these things and and when I need an army. He may have decided, you know, not to exterminate monsters that live in his kingdom for practical or moral reasons. Yeah. Um, But what he wouldn't tolerate is Speartooth, like, eating his citizens. Yeah. You know, he he could tolerate a Speartooth that he could negotiate with or fence off or something like that as long as it's not using any valuable land. But in terms of random monsters that will just attack citizens on sight... He's um, a much better king, basically. Yeah. Whereas, and, you know, like, because... Well, that sort of depends how he's done it. Leaving morals out of the equation, yeah. virtue aside, he's much better at being a king. Yeah, his, his reputation is not such that people are going missing from Pytax all the time, or Pytax yeah. has an annual lottery to see who gets fed to the dragon or what have you. Yeah, it's probably going to be a reasonable bitch to integrate into my yeah. kingdom. Iroveti is... is has a pretty good rep amongst his people because, yeah. among other things, he keeps them very safe. Well, Just thing, like Doctor Doom, they are Pytax is thriving under his leadership. That's the thing. Like, I mean, um, you know, Fort Drelev's people had a fair amount of loyalty to him, hmm. despite him so th- in their own history, despite him so thoroughly squandering it. Uravetti's um, got a lot of cred with his people. And it's going to be a much tougher nut to crack. And everyone expected Iroveti to actually continue to expand his kingdom, and he kind of just arbitrarily stopped. Yeah. Despite the fact that he uh, is, is supposed to have the capacity to have gone further than he did. Yeah. It's a mystery after Garlanite. Um Oh, and on that note, if you care, um, yeah. the river that you are slash were traveling on is actually called the Mivon River. Cool. Um... I've put River for Mivon, I'll change that to Mivon River. Yeah, on the basis that it was named separately, independently of Pytax, um, as a geographical landmark sort of thing, and Erebeti has never remotely pushed the issue because it's presumably something that he doesn't care about in the slightest. Also, from a Pytaxian point of view, it's the river that leads to Mivon, yeah. it's the Mivon River. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, it's kind of actually that name doesn't so much make so much sense when you're in Mivon because then it's, you know, the Mivon River. It's like, yay, if the town is Mivon, the land is but Mivon, the river is Mivon. If you care about why, Tristan can tell you why. Why not? <laughs> well, <clears throat> the thing is, Mivon is, at, Mivon is not named after its original king. It is named after one of the famous heroes of this area of the River Kingdoms, uh, Mivon was supposed to have been a a very old elvish knight from the time when there were elvish ruins in the area. I I believe two queens before Ras Selim, the kingdom was named after after said knight. The river, therefore, presumably was as well. That is actually really interesting. And Tristan can tell you all sorts of stories about this heroic, basically St. Georgian-style elven knight. And Kaelin will actually, will encourage him to go on, because if, you know, if it's about a knight slaying monsters, Kaelin is actually moderately interested, particularly a historical knight slaying monsters. Awesome. Okay.
At which point, assuming the night passes uneventfully, because it sounds like most of these nights are going to, well, you know, until we get to the really scary high-end monsters that have a deal with Draylef, um, Kaelin and Michaela will head northeast and head into G2, hoping it to be less full of steam geysers than F2. Yep, you find it is full of grassland and no murderous steam geysers. Yay! And that's it? Yep. Cool. Yeah, that being the case, I'd expect even more unex- uninteresting terrain hexes than usual because, you know, without the, without the, I mean, a lot of what was in Drelev's lands were random monsters. Alright, and then we will head up into, and return to G1. Where Kaelin has been before. Yep, and you will find grassland. Yep. Oh, also, I'm doing the um, I'm doing the border bits, so yep. it's by definition going to be less interesting. Yeah, remember you're going slower because Michaela's horse is dead. Ah, yes. One point. of you is having to walk, so it's now it's only three. It's three days. Yes, yeah, I've crossed off two. I crossed off two extra because there was one for the last one and one for that one. Cool. Um, like Michaela, it doesn't. Um, no, you and Michaela, I imagine, sort of trade on and off with yeah, Chaser. Yeah. No one blinks at this arrangement. All of you are used to walking. Yeah, I um. If Kalen just had a regular horse, he'd probably ride double. He's done it in the past, but he's not. Com- he's much more comfortable just taking turns when when Chase is in the play. And um, also, Michaela is really heavy because you know it, mostly I was riding double with Tristram, who weighs bugger all and doesn't wear um doesn't wear hundreds of kilos of metal. Winchaser looks thoughtfully around the land as you go through. It's it's not particularly better than anything else in River Kingdoms, but it's nice grassland. Mm-hmm. And he will, you know, sort of eat some grass. He goes and he says, Brr, brr, I remember the taste of this. The smell of this area. Brr, I think I have ridden through here before. Brr, before I was awake with Califraxis. Your, your herd passed through here in the past. He shakes his head slightly. It is, it is like remembering a dream. I do not know that I could explain it. I see things like a horse now, but a horse that thinks as intelligently as a man. Then I saw things like a horse that is like, imagine remembering your memories from being the youngest you can as a baby. Could you explain how the world made sense to you there? Nay, I don't think I could. So, like, he has this impression that he's ridden around these lands before with Califraxis, but he he remembers it, but not in a way that's actually useful to you at all? That's cool. (laughs) Yay. Alright, and um, we will roll on into F1. Yep. This one is mostly grassland, and then it starts to turn into marsh towards the sort of um, upper left-hand corner. Yeah, that makes sense, because we're heading towards the big swamp. Yep. Cool, so another three days, and I think, and then we will head into E1. Swamp. This one is swamp. Yep. Pure, deep swamp. 
as yep. far as you can see to the horizon. Whether or not you want to go through it on foot is um because you've been you've been getting used to the luxury of Tristan's magical phantom steeds to do this. Yes, I have indeed. Um but, like, this is not just a little patch of swamp. This is to the horizon as far as you can see. It looks swampy. Yeah. So it's probably a swamp hex in its entirety. Alright. Um. I think we will veer down. Yeah. And have a look at, um. Uh. E2. E2? Next to the steam grotto. So. The Mivon River cuts right through the middle of this. Okay, so um, from um, from E three. Uh, yes. Cool. And then does it sort of peter out as it gets to the swamp hex? Uh, it actually widens out into the swamp. Ah, uh, yep. So it becomes becomes I'll, I'll do sort of a little boggy patch there yeah. as it becomes swamp. Cool. And. It is a big, thick river. Nonetheless, you haven't folding boats. You don't have any real trouble fording this. Among other things, you and Michaela can both um, actually swim okay, given your copious levels of strength and things. Yep. Once you remove your 18,000 pounds of armor. Cool. So we will explore this hex. Yep. It is largely dominated by the river, which does actually take up a fairly large chunk of it. It is not a thin river. Right, okay. It's so cutting wide. through at least a, at least the middle third of that hex. Okay, cool. I'll put a wide river on. Yeah, bigger than your average river. Um, so this hex is actually water as, wow. a, as a grass type. Well, as a terrain type. As a terrain type. Yeah. Um, because... The river in Mivon starts wide and it just keeps getting wider as you approach that swamp. Yeah. Okay, and we can explore it? I can't remember what we called them. Are they water or lake or whatever? Um, customarily I didn't call them anything because yep. the lake tended to cover the entire head. Yep. So, but I'm putting water in this case yeah, because... Because for the purposes of building, like, you could not build a farm in here. Yeah, you there's not enough. You meaningfully fit it. Yeah. You could, however, build a fishery. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, no, the the rest of them have been, the water hexes have been nearly all covered by yep. lakes, so that was their indication yep. that they were water hexes, yep. whereas because this has got a river and some land, I'll actually put a W. Yep. Cool. So we explore that? Yep. Cool. All right. At which point, um, we, uh, given that we're here and we've got this, um, we are going to get aboard our folding boat. Yep. And sail down the river back to the grassland hex. Sure. So we're not going to explore the transitory hexes in between, except for the river part in terms of yep. sailing down it briskly. Yep. So um, F3 is also water type. Similar big fat river going yep. down to F4. Yep. Cool. And then gets thinner as it comes into F4, which is actually grasslands. Cool. On the basis that there's an actual grasslands in there. Yep, there's enough space. Yep, so I haven't explored either of those, but I have this context about what the deal is with them. Yeah, and it's worth knowing that that's a giant river, because that's probably relatively difficult to cross, whereas I can go around the top swamp-wise. Cool. Alright, and then we sail back up the Mivon River... Um, there is something in F4 that becomes readily apparent when you are just um, sailing through. Yeah. 
um, along the that would be the southern bank of the river, effectively. Yeah. There are a bunch of skulls on poles. Ah. Very, very visibly obvious from the middle of the river, designed to be so. Like, um, in the, it, about in the centre of the hex? Uh, it, it's literally curving along the river, like, imagine oh, a fence going along the back th- of the there's river. There's a skull fence. It, it is not even remotely a fence. It would pose no physical obstacle yeah. to passing through. But basically, you know, every several hundred metres, there's another skull on a pole. Yeah. Cool, I definitely want to find out what's going on with that, but not right now. Yeah. Yeah, because at this point, we've only really got about enough time to get back to Stagthorpe. Yep. And when you pass through G4 again, it, yep. that one is thinner river grassland. Yep. And That's back right. into Mivon you go. And back into Mivon you go. Cool. So that's a relatively small, but we've got one. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six. So that's not, so the top six, six of the hexes explored. Alright, and um, at this point it would be time for a kingdom turn. Yep. So when you get back, um, things are pretty quiet in the sense of no other giant invasions have gone off in the meanwhile. That's just, which um, is good. I, I kind of assume you would have let me know. Your, your scouts will report that they've found signs to suggest that Iraveti scouts are keeping an eye on what's happening in your kingdom, but there haven't been any grand movements of armies. Nobody is terribly surprised by this because the Clockwork King started his attack at the start of winter. Um... And now you're moving through the month that's in the middle of winter, where it's really hard to move armies around, and it's icy and cold, and people die of pneumonia and all the rest of it. So this is actually a really bad time to it be... It is a, a very bad time to be... Invading. Invading one way or the other. Yeah. Um, and knowing what you know about Iraveti, you assume that's probably deliberate, like he's made his play to have his strike... But with the option to, if it if it worked, he would now be occupying your kingdom through the winter at a time when everyone would be closed in with his armies on top of him kind of thing. And if it didn't, then he pulls back and it's going to be much harder for you to pursue him on an army level. So yeah. if, for example, you'd obliterated all his armies and then turned in to rush up and invade and crush him, it would be harder for you than it otherwise yeah. might. It's a very sound play, albeit one that assumes Caelan's armies are about four times stronger than they actually are, but presumably he doesn't know my exact strength. Yeah, but Iraveti is basically always the guy that has a plan B. Yeah, even, even in, even for the less likely percentages. I mean, he presumably thought he had enough to run the table or he wouldn't have taken Yeah, if he thought he was going, if he thought he was just going to flat out lose and there were no other possibilities, then he probably wouldn't have attacked in the first place. Unless he was compelled to by some external force you're unaware of. Yeah. Um, but he's the kind of guy that even assuming that he could crush you with ease would still take alternate plans on the assumption of if he couldn't, it doesn't cost him anything to do it in winter. I know Titania thinks he's a bad guy, and I'm pretty sure he is a bad guy, but I can't help but respect him. He's, yeah. He's just... He's just doing everything in such a sensible way. Like, it wasn't very... You didn't have to get very far into Drelev's kingdom before Caelan's concept for Drelev became a lot more profound. I mean, the guy, you know, he put up self-aggregizing monuments nearly everywhere, but he didn't bother to actually eradicate any of the monsters that were freely roaming around. Whereas, I mean, 
I, I only explored this tiny little bit of Dreyliff's kingdom where he doesn't actually live, and yet it's just it's just organized. He's sorted out all the random encounters, and he's made a tactical plan that involved the possibility that he would not win. You know, Kalen's. If Kalen had a mercenary band, he would work. For, he would potentially hire on with an Ravetti. Ravetti has what you're looking for when it comes to selling your sword to someone. Yeah, among other things, he strikes you as the sort of guy that would be really good for his word. Yeah. You know, if he says he'll pay you X money for the job, because always the worry with mercenaries is you're going to work for the one guy that decides he's going to dick you and either not pay you or stab you in the back. Yeah. And the thing is that, um, you know, while as mercenaries, Eve Kalen's band group would never have taken a contract to, you know, burn orphanages, you didn't necessarily look for a stalwart and true guy so much as a man who had some amount um, of military sense and would actually pay you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, w- I would not have worked for Drelev, I would work for Ravetti. I would have hired you. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, here we are. Glenaborn, Uplands, Iron Wraiths, and then Pytax. Nice. Okay. So now that your scouts and spies and things are about, you'll be getting word from Pytax in the form of rumors. Ooh, nice. Do you want to do those now? No, they're, um. Oh, I suppose, yeah, it's comfy comes out. Oh, oh, I'm happy to do them when you're ready for them, sweetheart. No, no, it's, um, they're, they're not a part of your kingdom events per se, so... Cool, alright, well then let's do them before I get all my other paperwork out, and I'll just track down my rumour sheet. Although I suppose it's probably time for a fresh rumour sheet. I still have some, I, I was getting some Pytaxian yes, rumours last time. Yes, you were. Yeah. But now you'll be getting nothing but them instead of their Mandrake Levian ones. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. So, under Viravetti, I think he can be said to be not under the spell of a priestess of Gairona. Although, whether he's a vampire is still open mm. to discussion. Mm. But he's clearly not a vampire working for another vampire who's a cultist of Gairona. Mysterious Madame Tuglion, or whatever she was. Yeah. The dead one, huh? Yeah. Alright, I've got the rumours of, um, I've got the Fort Drelievin and Pytaxian rumours, I've got the ones that I found out about from Fort Drelev sorted out. Yep. Cool. So, what do you have from Pytax at the moment? Uh, uh, so I'm not giving you the thousand, same. Thousand Voices Forest, Castle of Kinris? Knives. K- Castle of Knives. Sorry, very pat, poor handwriting. Um, never in the same place twice. Yep. Um, thousand Voices Forest. Um, yeah, I've got the one of um, I've got Drylev was a Pytaxian plant who was defeated by Ravetti on purpose, but we know that's not true. He's just stupid. Ravetti under the spell of Priestess of Gairona, who lives in a cave under his palace. Both vampires and the armor protects him from the sun. Yep. Which we know the Priestess of Gairona part is not yeah, true. Yeah, they can but, be partly false. True, but, false, or part false. Yeah. Um, and um. Abbey on White Rose Hill in Pytax, used by priests of many different faiths, haunted, drives away clerics. Yep. yep. Several, several religious orders have been founded there and failed, basically. Yep. Okay, so, 
what you get told is word on the street is that in within the kingdom of Pytax lives the mother of all wyverns, Mignosusad. Yep. Uh, and Tristan would be able to fairly ID that name for you. And he says, uh, Mignosusad. Oh, that's... That has roots in giant. That's the language of the Tiger Lord barbarians. Uh, it means the eater of kings. Oh, lovely. The mother of all wyverns. Well, not literally all the wyverns in the world, but certainly I would imagine many of the ones around the Pytaxian region. Uh, I imagine that she's quite large and quite dangerous. Uh, and rumor says that she lives in a cave on the eastern edge of Thousand Voices, which is the forest. And, yeah, that is what you uncover. I'm, I'm not wild that her name means Eater of Kings. Eater of Kings. It's in, ti- in Tiger Lord Barbarian. Yeah. The Tiger Lord Barbarian's name to the Eater of Kings. Yeah, that, that troubles that troubles Kaelin somewhat. He's opposed to things who have um, racial bonuses against kings. <laughs> Favourite enemy, kings. Yeah, well, see, see that's what I'm thinking. Alright. So, is that... Do I get... Is that the rumour that, that I get? That is the rumour that you get. Cool. I will put away my rumour sheet. I'm just going to actually... Just having a little... While I'm in here, I'm having a little peek at my... Um... Uh, and given at this point you actively have spies out, you can functionally dig up another one by spending a bill point for it to... Um, garner you information. It doesn't give you any accuracy on the information, it just gives you another rumour. No, that's okay. I'll, um, is that like a particularly pertinent one to what I'm doing, or is that just getting more rumours? No, it's it's literally, um, the old Beldame is increasing the number of agents that you have operating in and around Pytaxia. Right, yeah. And as a consequence, you hear back word on the street more. Yeah. Just tracking down Oberon's visions for this. Yep. Thing. Yep. So we've had the clockwork king in throwing me a seventh head, which wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it could be. Then, um, and we've had um, not Akaros, um, our new warden, freaking out because it's a really big army. Then um, the red-skinned man and the dragon spitting mist. I wonder if that's actually a wyvern. <laughs> Overall, trying to kill me, and some kind of something decapitating me. Uh, this is actually information that Tristan could supply you trivially. Like his DCs will just smash this into the ground. In fact, I think you already know this. Um, wyverns are dragons as a creature type, but they are not true dragons. Yeah. They do not do the things that true dragons are known for, like casting spells and having breath weapons and things. Ah, so that's not the mother they're, of They're wyverns. poisonous and they have stingers, which normal true dragons do not. Um, but no, that cannot be Mignos or Shard, unless she has special abilities that your average wyvern does not, which is quite possible because she's the legendary eater of kings. Yeah. But among other things, what separates them from dragons is they have poisonous tails, they're nowhere near as smart. They're cunning predators, but they're not intelligent. Yeah. Um, and alas, they do not assemble draconic hordes in the same way your classic true dragon does. It does seem like a bit of a waste. Um, 
our friend from Hogwarts land, Skelnar, who's heads on my wall. Yeah. He wasn't a wyvern or a dragon, was no, he? He, he was, was a, a drake. He was a drake, which is basically a smaller, a lesser cousin of dragons. Yeah, but a different kind of lesser cousin of dragons. Correct. Because he, he was bright enough to talk. Yeah, the, the, the wyverns, um, are, br- are actually bright enough to talk, but you're talking about, like, six intelligence-type creatures. Whereas I think Skelnar was a good 10, and yeah. your dragon might be a 14 or 15. Yeah, a, a drake is simply a less powerful version of a dragon, so yeah. a weaker cousin. A wyvern is a stupider cousin yeah. um, that stronger depends on their age. And yeah. Sort of thing. Cool. Yes, I brush up on my dragon war as, you know, it seems relevant. Yep. And then, um... Yeah, um, potentially roll into a kingdom turn. If you're up to move on to that. Cool. So I will put away my Kaelin-y stuff and dig out my kingdom-y stuff. Yep. There's some stuff I'd like to do in this turn, but um, like in Stagthorpe, not not just exploring. Yep. But I'll see what actually happens in terms of, you know... Sure, sure. Uh, I, I may wind up spending the whole time um, rushing around. Yep. So, roll stability. Uh, I equal the DC. So you can pass. Cool. Alright, my unrest goes down by one. As, um... People are generally kind of... Comp- uh, are generally calming down about the whole Pytax invaded us thing. They're yep. still upset about the people who are displaced, but... Some of them are calming down on believing I will take care of the problem. Okay, your consumption. Uh, fill vacant magic item sloops. I have a slot. A cloak of arachnidia. What the hell is that? Uh, I believe it turns you... It's, it's like that cloak of the bat, but it turns you into a spider and lets you spider climb on things and things like that. Oh, it might be the one that gives you spider climb at will. Oh, very likely. Let me have a look at what it actually does, because these specialized cloak thingies... Um, okay, so it lets you use Spider Climb. Yep. Period. Not just for a period of time. Um, you don't get entrapped when webs. Yep. Um, and you can move through webs at half your normal speed. You can um, cast web once a day, and you get a plus two fortitude bonus against poison from spiders. Fascinating. So it's freaking specific for 14,000 14, GP. Yeah. The spider climb thing is nice, but um, it doesn't delight Kalen, yep. given that the other features don't interest him very much. Yeah, I don't think anyone else is prepared to throw their cloaks in for it. Cool. I'll flag that as a nobody's particularly interested thing. And, um, but I will ditch the um, Bokob's Blessed book this turn. Leave the cloak of Arachnia on there for now. Alright, and then, uh, what's next? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was looking to see Bryn, who would be the one most interested in that. She's got her cloak made of dragonfly wings. Yeah, yeah, that thing is awesome. So what's, like it, what's it actually It's do? a cloak of resistance, plus three. Yeah, but it's an awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what Because I was thinking, you know, the bat cloak, the spider cloak sounds kind of naturally and very Bryn-like, but yeah. she's already got a natural awesome cloak. Yeah, yeah, I've got a plus... I think Kaelin's got a plus three cloak of resistance. Once you're wearing one, it's pretty hard to take it off again. Mm-hmm. All right, what next? Uh, blah, blah, blah. 
so assign leadership, which yes. you are doing involuntarily. Yes. So um and may also choose to do voluntarily while you were there. Uh no, I um don't want to rearrange the kingdom at this um uh, 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 there's no one I want to sort out at this time. Um, right, so the need is on the roof. However, while I'm doing this, I'm also going to update my army description because the need cannot be the general of my um, army anymore. Correct. So, um, tragically, that's another Bob army, which I believe, as I mentioned, leaves... Um, Sir Frederick is the only army that isn't... Com- yeah, no, I did that already. Sir Frederick is the only army that isn't commanded by Bob. <laughs> Which makes me want to say it like Blackadder would. Bob. Bob. Alright. I will, however, also put in the um, name of the new Lizard Folk army. Get okay, so... um. Yes, so I lose a core of silver fire as a viceroy and gain um, the need thunderhoof. Yep. So I added my point of unrest. Um, you can, in fact, make that two points of unrest. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, people are exceptionally unhappy about this, um, both for the fact that people feel that, you know, it's centaur culture oppressing the needs of the kingdom. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Well, this particularly, is all the non-centaurs, obviously. Yeah, yeah, well, particularly in Varnhold, uh, because it's pretty relevant to them. But primarily, um, people are upset here because your council is changing at a time where people are desperately seeking stability. Yeah. In this time of war, and people are taking the war with Pytax seriously in a way, like, Drelev attacked you. But it wasn't a war, whereas they see this as being an ongoing, protracted struggle with multiple armies. And your people want stability above anything else and continuity and, you know, oh my god, they're changing people at the top. What's going on? We're going to lose. It's, um, because it's, um, the thing, it's like, um, it's like America fighting a war. Yeah. You know, like, it versus what was happening in Britain. Like, the, the, the war with Drelin was America fighting a war. Why do we have to send troops overseas? Why are our boys getting killed? Whereas um, with Britain, it, it's like, you know, Britain in World War Two. Are we all going to die here? So for the duration of this war, whenever you assign leadership, your unrest penalty is getting doubled. Okay, understood. Um, and that may or may not be true of other unrest-giving activities. Like changing my um, taxation rate or any of those things. Yeah, it may or, or may or, not be done. Or, or events that deal you unrest or that sort of thing. It probably depends on what kind of events they are, Correct. rather than being a blanket thing. Correct. Okay, but understood. I take two points of unrest. Yep. And then you want to know about the Thunderhoof and what yes. she brings to the table as the vice boy. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be... I mean, Leon's bringing zero, and, you know, if I, I had to pick the two of, one of the two of them as Viceroy, because, of course, it's a hard stat, so yeah. you have to be pretty awesome at the Viceroy. Uh, she is not, in fact, giving you a penalty. She is giving you a plus nothing. Cool. I'm cool with that. Um, and what you will find of the way Denis does this... Yes, I'm sure this doesn't surprise you. She is very militarily focused. It's all, all of her things about Varnhold now, or about, about ruling Varnhold, are about how we're going to secure it and where we're going to get the tax levies from to build these armies and all that sort of thing. She's not doing anything outrageously stupid. 
she's just not doesn't have the interest and doesn't have the background in the mundanities like trade and this kind of thing. But that's fine. She's not doing a terrible job. She's not doing a worse job than Lillian is with Drelev. Yep. Not a comparison I'm going to make in front of Lillian. But yeah, people, people come and complain, unsurprisingly. Yeah, yeah. It's Tuesday in Stagthorn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it. Um, part of that extra unrest is coming from the fact that... Um, your people seem very convinced that despite the fact that you've repelled Erebiti's initial invasion, the general mood is gloomy. The feeling is that you are going to lose the war. And one of the reasons for this is it is openly known on the street that you have turned your back on Gorham, the god of war. Yep. Um, and people do not think that Gorham himself is going to turn up and smite your armies or anything like that. But you, Kaelin, knows as well as anyone that battles can hinge on the smallest of details. Yeah. And you don't have, you, you may or may not have Gorham working against you, but you definitely don't have Gorham's blessing on your side. I, I you know, like, Gorham isn't necessarily pettily a stabbing, you know, pettily inter- intervening mm-hmm. negatively for people at the drop of a hat. But yeah. I crossed him pretty bad. This is exactly the kind of thing that earns you a yeah. certain amount of of disfavour when you hit his sphere, and of course a giant war is exactly his sphere. And, and what you get is when this, when when one of your soldiers saddles, saddle straps break and he falls off his horse and breaks his legs, people say, ah, oh, you know, that's Gorham's disfavour. Yeah. You know, all these swords got left, all these swords got left out in the rain by some careless private and they're, they're ruined and we need to buy new swords now is, ah, oh, well, you know, that's, that's the war god punishing us. You know, yeah. the Lord and Iron isn't happy. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's not necessarily untrue. Yes. It, 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 he probably isn't happy, and that is exactly how him be, not being yes. happy works. The, the message here is this is the thing you could potentially, um, you know, buy off, prevent, alter, etc., etc., by interfacing with that in some fashion. All right. That's good to know. But not, um, that's not the GM telling you to do things. That's information being communicated to the king on the general mood of your people. Yeah. Cool, continue. So, tell me about Callistria. So, in Callistria, Kaelin claims um, C8 in the Hook Tongue Swamp. Yep. Um, which is a undifferentiated swamp hex yep. next to the um, grassland hex he claimed last turn. Yep. Making a little patch of territory heading in inexorably drill- pytax woods. Gosh, sooner or later, Betty will go to war with you over this. Yep. Uh, well, it's notable that I hadn't gone significantly further than about uh, a little over halfway down up until this point. Yeah. Um, and he built a road in G8, again, heading in inoxorably Pytax woods. Yep. In the nice grassland hex next to the swamp. Yep. Um, he built a couple of houses, one in Lakeview and one in Merkvale, thus fulfilling his requirement to build housing this turn or um, suffer further unrest. Yep. There are places for people who have been driven out of their homes to live. He also built a military base in Lakeview. Yep. It is large. Very large. Uh, and it cost a lot of money. Yep. Lastly, he built a luxury store in Varnhold. Sorry, that second house is in Varnhold, not Lakeview, because Varnhold was where I wanted to build a luxury store. It's um, next to the Noble Villa, so they've got their own little... Classy noble quarter thing. Cool. And it was half price, which was 
very key this turn. <laughs> and um, and that was all the stuff he did. Yep. He didn't actually found a new army to replace Keston's bowmen, but there's a sort of sense what with the last turn he built a bunch of farmland. Yep. This turn he built a military base that just possibly next turn yep. there might be another army coming. And it's almost like he's taking advantage of the fact that it's really cold. <laughs> he has a few turns to do this. Also might be the military base is inexpensive. Did you build housing? Uh, yes. Cool. Yep. Sorry, I said that it went in one ear and out the other. Yep. <laughs> cool. So yes, I built a house in um, Varnhold and a house in Merkvale. Yep. So thus, I in fact built two houses. Thus taking care of your, um, your yes. housing crisis. Yes. Well, it's all across that off. And that's everything bar the economy check. Yep. So I'm going to make my economy check? Yep. That looks like a very nice number indeed. And it is just enough. Eleven, just enough. The economy continues to teeter on the ragged edge. Indeed, just over. Divide by three is forty six build points. Plus twenty build points. And just like that, even though I spent most of the tr- money in the treasury, I'm all good. Mm-hmm. I had ten build points, and now I have seventy six build points. Cool. Cool. And that is what happens. Yeah. Unless other things happen. There are, in fact, no kingdom events. Okay. Irvetti quietly plots plans and builds things off screen. Cool. Um, but in the dead of winter, everything simply sits. Alright, um, so Kalen would like to do some stuff. Sure. Um, so to begin with, I want to go to see Chief Scott Scales. Alright. <coughs> in the cobalt, in the cobalt caves. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, I want to talk to you about um, the war we're in. I've pissed off the Iron Lord something fierce. No doubt. There isn't a lot I can do about that from the perspective of undoing what I did. But um, it seems like um, there might be something else I could do. I um, wasn't entirely comfortable with it as an ongoing situation even before we got ourselves into a giant war. But I've been thinking about it and I'd like to see if there's something I can do to reduce the level of the shit I'm in. So I was thinking you and me could go see the clerics of Gorham and talk the matter over. Alright. Yeah, I could definitely I could definitely work with that. Uh, Because the theory is, because I have an allegiance with them, Gorham has a 
moderate presence within my kingdom, yes. so there are presumably high-level clerics of Gorum. Yes. Or important people rather than... Uh, important no, people and high-level clerics are not necessarily the same thing. But. No, no, not so I didn't so much mean high-level clerics. I really meant high-up people in the church. Yep. People who run the equivalent of Jod for Gorum. Yeah. So... I think we can largely probably extrapolate the results of that conversation. Yeah. Um, basically, they suggest that, um, you know, no mortal members of the Church of Gorum are acting against you. You know, you well, that's um, not entirely true, but... Um, Within the kingdom... Yeah, yeah. Necessarily. No, there's no organised resistance from the Church of Gorum. Correct. Uh, you're, you're more facing Gorum's wrath in the abstract of, you know, the annoyance of a deity kind yeah. of thing. Um, and they will float you a couple of, they will float you a couple of different sort of their thoughts, but making it clear they're not, they don't speak for the Iron Lord here, so they may well give you a solution that doesn't actually work, and they're being reasonably transparent about that. Oh, but on the other hand, I can't really go and see Gorum. No. Um, a little, little difficult. And um, also probably wouldn't work out super great for me. Because your cleric with plane shift is now dead. Yeah, well also, you know, how he died suggests that plane shifting into the gods' domain to have a chat with them might not be a super bright idea even if it's a deity that wasn't extra pissed with you. Also, uh, the, the members of the Church of Gorum will openly tell you this, they have to live here in the real world. So Gorum, one of the things that Gorum is opposed to is kind of diplomacy as an abstract concept. Yeah. Diplomatic solutions are not ones that broadly please Gorum. Now, the church has to actually live here in the real world where you have to make compromises and negotiate yeah. all the damn time or you just have ceaseless war with everyone. Yeah. Gorum, on the other hand, doesn't have to live in the real world. Um... The church openly tell you that even if you could attempt such a thing, the Iron Lord is extremely unlikely to actually want to negotiate with you because negotiating is not a thing that he wants to do. Yeah. It's not about not compromising. It's about he doesn't like the peaceful solution where we just talk instead of fighting to solve this. But Kalen will say that as a man who's, you know, been engaged in the business yeah. of war virtually his entire life, while he's not a follower of Gorm, he appreciates having the Iron Lord on his side. And he is engaged in a giant bloody war. He would just, like... But Gorum isn't especially pleased with him because he destroyed his holy relic. Yeah. And what Kaelin's looking for is to try and head in the direction of Gorum being a bit less displeased with him. Because he can't bring back the holy relic. That was kind of the point, really. And so, but I, I'm not going to heavily emphasize that in the comment. He can't undo what he did. But there are other things that he could do that Gorum might like better. Because in the grand scheme of things, it's about yeah. what he's done. What have yeah. you done for me lately? And in the, this case, what he's done for you lately. I mean, lately has really pissed him off. Um, and fundamentally, you're asking the GM for ideas here? Uh, um, I have some thoughts. Yeah. I'm asking you in your... I'm proposing my thoughts and seeing what the what the GM's thoughts cool. are. So my... Yeah, you've talked to these clerics. Yeah. What my think? thought is that the um, Kingdom of Stadthorn has no, has no temple to Gorum. Yeah. Um, that comes to mind as a thing. Yeah. 
if beating the fighting someone or some group of someone's would cheer, you know, like having a giant brawl, like because Gorham doesn't necessarily like diplomatic solutions. Having some kind of all-comers day where Goromites who are pissed with Kaelin can come and try and beat the snot out of him and en masse because there's no other way it would work. Yeah. Is something, or indeed hosting a more generic kind of fighting tournament is something that Kaelin would be up for and in fact is actually, you know, he'd do Ruby that Ruby Phoenix one. tournament, River Kingdom style. Well, something a bit less awesome than that, but you know, and probably not quite as cool as the Rushlight Tournament. But Caelan's Kingdom is moderately high-resourced and could probably host some kind of badass military festival. Or, you know, people could just come and beat the snot out of... You know, like, because... You know, like, it's it's kind of the opposite of a diplomatic solution. Yeah. Those are Caelan's two thoughts. Yeah. But he's, you know, if he had a pretty good idea of what Gorham wanted, he wouldn't be coming and asking the yep. clerics. Yep, I, I hear your two thoughts, and Chief Soot Scales will... You know, it's a thought, but, you know, rah, rah, rah. Um, and again, I'll just sort of give you out of character here. Um, the, the problem with that is getting a sacrifice for an offering or something that's of commiserate value to Orvin Bane, the enemy of all enemies. Yeah. Um, which is in itself an artifact. It's not just a fancy, expensive sword. Yeah. Um, so they would want functionally at least a cathedral to Gorham, as opposed to merely a temple. Um, if you go for the fighting tournament type thing, like, no, nobody thinks that's a bad idea, but it's going to have to be a big freaking deal. Yeah. Like a big thing. We're not talking village fair day or everyone getting the ring and punch Kaelin in the head day. Yeah. We're talking... Not quite that Ruby Phoenix tournament, because that was almost bordering on extra-dimensional, but, it, you know, the biggest fighting tournament that the River Kingdoms have ever seen in their history. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, the other one is that you could, that, that they will float, is you could donate to the cause of war, um, either by virtue of literally handing the Church of Gorham a big pile of money in the form of build points to do as they pleased with. Yeah. Um, or actually by giving them armies. Ah. Like, turning armies over who would work on um, functionally as mercenaries that had already been paid by you to have wars that otherwise might not happen. So... Nowhere near the river... Because they're not idiots, they'll openly tell you this will happen nowhere near the river kingdoms. But functionally, they'll send your army off to here where Kingdom A is fighting Kingdom B and Kingdom A is going to steamroll Kingdom B. And regardless of any of the objections or consequences or whatever, they'll give Kingdom B some essentially free mercenary armies so that more fighting and more war and more conflict will happen where it otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. So those are the thoughts that they have. Chief Sootscale will come to you separately the next day, sort of looking slightly confused. And he says, I think I've had an epiphany, a religious experience. I had a dream where I was on a battlefield with thousands of dead kobolds around me. But, but it wasn't bad. Because every one of them had challenged me for my rulership, and I'd slain them all. I think I'm getting you. It's 
possible if you just leave this long enough that uh, that such a challenge will come upon you. Gorham doesn't strike me as the sort. Gorham doesn't. The Iron Lord is not the sort to deal deal overly subtly with this. Um, i.e. his takeaway is that in the absence of anything else happening, there may be some sort of active challenge made against you. Yeah. In a very Goromite fashion, and it won't be sneaky assassins coming to murder you in the night, and it won't be Grigory-style men of words coming to, you know, talk you down or manipulate you. It'll be something like a big fucking army just turns up out of nowhere... Or made of, you know, space golems or Goromite things or something in that neighborhood. I.e. not like a human mercenary army that's been paid to come and make war on you. An army of extraplanar, you know, Iron Lord entities. Sweet. Well, sweet in the sense that a random army turning up to attack your kingdom is not, you know, good. Yeah. Um, but those are, those are the thoughts of Chief Sutscale and the clerics of Gorum. Excellent. Alright, at which point I want to go see someone else yep. about this plan. Um, I want to go and see Lillian Visky. You have me? So, I um, am looking to do the clerics of Gorham a favour, in the hope that it will get me out of my um, the grievance that the Iron Lord has with me. And this favour might require me to build a cathedral. I don't really want a cathedral to Gorham in Elk's Rest. It's... I've kind of got my own plans for what kind of cathedral I want in Elk's Rest and it ain't one to Gorham. One place that does spring to mind that I could put it is Fort Drelev. Well, you thought you would bring your problems here and dump them on my lap again. Well, that is what what my lap is for for you these days. It's, um... You, you knew you knew what the job entailed when you took it. What I want from you is a take of what the people of Fort Drelev would be thinking about that. And she will sort of actually sit and ponder this and think about it. And... She says, well, I personally do not have... I personally do not have that much of a problem with it. I would think... Yeah, I would think there would be a good boost to our economy and our spending as a result of it. You would get a lot of drunken brawlers, soldiers, fighters, uh, men of conflict, mercenaries, men of passing trade. There's all the flow-on to, uh, to the places like the Velvet Curtain. Oh, what the fuck it was called? It, think, uh, the Velvet Corner? The Velvet Corner, thank you. To places like the Velvet Corner. Uh, it could be very good for certain kinds of business in the city. Not so good for others. I imagine that Terrian, not to put too fine a point on it, will shift the bed sideways. Because he, because I'm not building a cathedral to Aristotle. Well, also because Aristotle and Gorham are reasonably opposed to each other on this score. Like, those sort of people are not good for productive, functional, growing communities. Yeah. But they are, because drinking... Aristotle is not opposed to, like, drinking or woman per se or anything, but, you know, drunkenness and whoring are, are not in his portfolio. Yeah. These things are not, uh, and I'm not suggesting you're committing some great trespass yeah. or anything, but Tyrion, who is not only an Aristarlian, but an incredibly right-wing Aristarlian. Yeah. You know, he's very much in the ilk of everyone should be married, 
to the right people for the good of the community, no sex before marriage, no, yeah. no homosexuality, etc., 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 etc. Whereas Lillian, on the other hand, doesn't give shit one about any of that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and the city, she says, and I think I think Fort Dreyliv as a whole would manage to survive it just fine. All right. Well, I'll go warn Tyrion about it um, before I drop it on his head then. But um, if the city as whole is satisfied with it, then that's my main concern. And it is about time of being um, a bit hesitant to expand beyond the bounds, but it is about time we got a few more buildings in Fort Dreyliv. It's been a while since um, anything new went up there. It's um, the only one of my cities that's... Um, like, um, a couple of them are just still tiny, like yeah. Thornwatch and Merkvale. And, um, Fort Dreyliv is the only one, and then I've expanded Lakeview and, um, Varnhold to two hex maps, but, um, Fort Dreyliv is still on one hex map. So it hasn't actually, it, it's only grown a very small amounts since I took it over. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know what you're laughing at. Uh, I'm looking at Tyrion's catchphrase to bring his character up, and it's Aristotle will not approve of this. There we go! <laughs> So I go see, and I go see Tyrion. Your Majesty, King Caelan, what may I do for you? I wanted to give you a heads up about um, something that I'm planning to do in the near future. Of course. I'm thinking of building, and I will first lay out for him that I am planning what I'm planning to do with the Temple of the Elk. Yeah. Which vis-a-vis, I'm planning to upgrade it to a cathedral to Aristel. At, at a certain point, yeah. rather than um, building a new... Um, we're essentially going... How I think we want this to work is I'm essentially going to make a new temple in a different site in the city yeah. and up, turn my existing temple into a cathedral, so I still have both buildings, but the cool, the cool mythic one is the... Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I will outlay, outline that as a plan that I'm planning to do in the future, which is true, I am planning to. Yeah. And then I will lay out for him the background with um, what happened with Gorham, and um, that I now want to essentially make peace with him, insofar as that's possible. Mm-hmm. And that I am planning to more or less buy him off with the cathedral to Gorham in Fort Dreyliv. It finishes the last part. <laughs> and Fort Dreyliv is where I was thinking of putting it. I understand the Iron Lord's people are fairly mercenary. He says the irony not um, entirely lost on him. I have, um, I've never been a devotee myself, but it's certainly a direction I could have gone gone into as a younger man. There were plenty in um, there were plenty in the raiders who followed him. It was um, the mercenary captain of the band, Karen, um was an Aristalian and. Um, I learned a lot from her, and it was sort of inevitable to me that I would follow that faith because that was the faith that she had. But I've kept on the right side of the Iron Lord most of my life. It's been important, and we're not living in a safe place or time. I concur that it's important to pay respect to all the gods, but there are those who must come first amongst them. Did I, being fir- did I, being first and foremost, oldest of old, wisest of wise, you cannot be seen to 
Vince Tagform cannot be seen to be promoting Gorham's interest by building a cathedral to him before our Lord Aristotle. Next thing you know, we'll have Shalonites and free love in here. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't um, gone out of the way to um, build a church to Shalon. It's a... Um... I could potentially do both. It's a... Um... It'll be a stretch, but we've got the money for these kinds of things now. Uh, I... If I may offer my advice, I would suggest that a clear message must be sent that Gorham comes second here. Complete the cathedral to Aristotle first. We are not we are not the war gods playthings be pushed around with this displeasure for destroying and for paying this price for destroying an unwholesome artifact that came at a cost and a great sacrifice. There are Good people in your kingdom, good people like John Kavkin, who have already made other sacrifices to destroy such foul artifacts. We should stand by the conviction of our decisions, and stand by what we have done, and let the Iron Lord gnash his teeth. I do stand by what I've done. I mean, I think I'd do it again. It was, at the time, I was concerned about the consequences of the threat to the kingdom of having the blade around as a constant th- as a constant threat going forward but i've seen the pain that it's caused the devout goramites that i've run across since including um you'll remember um what was the one-handed mercenary chick's name uh, Lynette. A- including Lynette and um Chief Sootscales and Akaros, who would, um, the, or, or people whose opinions I respect. I still think I was right to do it. I concur entirely. But I'd like to give something back. But I'm not particularly worried about earning Dead Eye's disfavour, but it's fair enough that the Aristalians in my kingdom have worked hard to make it a success. I and think... I don't see any reason why we can't do both. I think that you are a firm champion of Aristotle, Lord, and his blessings have shone upon this kingdom since shone upon the kingdom of Stagthorn since its beginnings. It is more a matter of public perception what is seen to happen here. The Aristarians in the kingdom would rightly become very unhappy if the Iron Lord was seen to be being put first. And it doesn't seem like it's a matter um, that um, if it's not resolved immediately. I'm good enough for that as a solution then. We'll do both. Are we to be building... You must You must expect there will be fallout for this, in any case, public drunkenness. No more so, I suppose, than we already have with our deal with the Church of Kate and Kaelin. Yeah, and Kaelin cocks his head slightly and grins at a, a man who, to whom public drunkenness isn't entirely something that he has a problem with. Regrettable that, but we've all been young and made mistakes once. I can see that... Um, your and I also and, and I see that. Sorry, no, I need to back up slightly on this point. He's he's being dismissive, but not actually trying to be a complete nut of praise. So, yeah. Um, I suppose no more so than the Church of Caden Kalen and our agreements with them is already bringing. But a cathedral to Gorham will bring unsavoury types. I. 
Will we be building any shrines to Shailen, goddess of love? Wasn't planning on it at this stage. She doesn't have a very strong following within the kingdom. I think no, I can say nor in, the, nor in the river kingdoms at all. Generally, I have no problem with her as a um, as a deity. I um, don't pay that much heed to most. Of the, I, I respect most of the good ones, but um, I she um. It's not something that I'm overly worried over at this stage. I think I can safely promise you we won't put a, Shailen, a shrine to Shalem in Fort Drelev. If I'm I'm concerned about this, not because Shalem has any great strong following in the River Kingdoms. Indeed, she is barely here. And as he says this, like you you can't actually think of you have no followers of Shalem anywhere as prominent NPCs in the campaign. Yeah. There are no temples, no shrines, and none you've actually run into anywhere else here. Yeah. It's not super weird. It's just um she doesn't fit with the way the River Kingdoms do things. Yeah. Um with their continuous civilization building. It's very Aristarlian in that nature. Yeah. Um and he says, if I'm concerned about this, it is because I'm concerned about some of the recent marital choices that have been made regarding Stagthorn's nobility. You're I not the only one. <laughs> understand that both of your brothers rejected Rastaline's offer, even though that might have been for the good general betterment of the community. Vaughn um, would have... Um married her if I asked, and indeed was very willing to do so. But I am not comfortable with him marrying where his heart lay elsewhere. I understand that common practice in the nobility would have him keep Svetlana as a concubine, but that's... And I, many people don't understand me when I say this, but um, that's not what did I teach us to have... Uh, to have one woman as um, as your wife and another as your mistress. As it happens, I agree with you on that point entirely. Whatever feelings um, Lord Vaughan may, may have had for Lady Svetlana, they would have to be closed off when he became married. That is simply a part of the contract and the acceptance of the greater community that Aristotle is founding for, for us. I think he could have made, worked things out with Rastaline if he hadn't already been in love with Svetlana, but... Having seen both of them suffer greatly, in some cases being, I feel, somewhat responsible for that suffering, I wanted the two of them to be happy. That was very important to me. With regards to Tristram, he is very young, and it is difficult for me... I did not make my marriage because it would be the one that was best for the kingdom. I made it because it was it was what I wanted to do more than anything else. It is... As it was hard when Jod made his sacrifice, it's hard to ask a man to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. That you're sacrific- to make a sacrifice that you wouldn't make yourself. In general, I'm happy to lead, lead, lead folk into war and ask them to face danger and things of that nature because that's nothing I wouldn't face myself. But I wouldn't have done what Jod did if it had been me. I couldn't have 
maybe if I was the age that he was when he did it, it might have been a different story. But it bothered me very greatly when he did what he did because I, I couldn't have made that choice. And I wasn't happy. I'm not happy with it. I'm not happy with how it turned out. I know it's cost the kingdom. But it, I don't think it would have worked out for the best, Tristram and Rasseline. She's, it, it would be different if she was marrying a man like Van, who's older and more experienced, who has the, and who has the, was raised very much to understand the concept of a political marriage and to be prepared to make one. It's a very different thing. I can understand that men of leadership must stand as an example to those around them. And I agree with the principle of not asking others to make sacrifices you are not prepared to make yourself. But your circumstances were different when you married when you married Queen Brew. I didn't I could still have made a choice that might have been more advantageous politically than the choice I actually made. Well, I'm sure that Lady Quintessa and Lady Svetlana are excellent matches for your two brothers, respectively. It is just a it is just a shame to see such promising young men wed off in su- wed off in such a fashion. I understand. I understand what you're saying. I couldn't do otherwise, but I agree with you that it was a shame. If I had more brothers and one of them was prepared to marry her, I would have been very happy to see our kingdoms united this way. If there was another marriage of state that she was prepared to accept, I would have been happy to do it. Your sons would, of course, prove unfortunately too young for her. Aye. Although young, your young, uh, your, your young, and there's a momentary trip of the tongue on son Tobias seems to grow seems to grow every day. Aye, it's um it's the blood you understand. But you would generally consider absent of absent of your brother Varn being having had his heart attached elsewhere, the age difference between him and Rasseline would not have prevented it? Nay, I don't think so. He's um looked elsewhere for a marriage estate several times before. If his heart had already been given, I think it would have been as good a match as he made with Jumandi, and um, I think that would have worked out fine if not for the very tragic circumstances that occurred there. I'm not, I'm not, love's important to me, but I'm not one who believes you can't find it in the path of marrying a woman and getting to know her more gradual like. I, I, I wouldn't marry someone like, uh, what's, what's that, the woman with the, what's the woman with the dog? Uh, Pavaretta oh, Strudrail. I wouldn't, ma- I wouldn't marry someone like Pavaretta Strudrail. Even Tyrion shudders slightly at that one. That would be a very unfortunate pairing. But, um, someone like Jumandi or Rasseline, if I hadn't, um, if I was unattached, I would, um, certainly think about it myself. She's a hell of a woman. Hannes' father hmm, should have prevented that match. That was that was his obligation to prevent his son from being saddled with somebody like Lady Strunendrelia, regardless of her political advantages. I I would never compel any of my daughters to marry somebody so obviously unsuitable in temperament for them. 
uh, say, um, there's no, it's one thing to marry a woman when you don't know her very well and then, that you respect and then get to know her better. It's another thing to marry a woman that you already know is a hideous harridan and, and no one should, and thus no one should prove. Can you make me a sense motive check? Sure. But I rolled poorly. Uh, that's a 11. I think I'm going to miss the catch. Uh, yeah, probably um, some part of it anyway. Okay. Um, keep in mind, he has two noble daughters, Cassandra and Tamari. Yeah. Um, both of whom he's trying to... Uh, Cassandra, he's trying to marry off relatively soon. Yeah. Tamari, he's invested in marrying off in the future. Um, he definitely had eyes on both your brothers for both of them. Yeah. And those options have been cut off to him. Yeah. He's not upset about it, but he's thinking yeah. about what he's going to do with Cassandra now. Yeah. Not knowing, of course, that she's having a lesbian affair with Lily. Yeah, yeah. But she thinks she can keep doing that and make her father happy by marrying whoever, um, He's got in mind. Yes. I don't think that's going to work out for her. Well, certainly he's just openly told you that he would never condone that being like a mistress relationship on the side. That yeah. would not be acceptable to him. It's not acceptable to him that she's gay. Yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't be acceptable to him to that she had a lover on the side, even if it was a straight relationship. Yeah. And um, so it's going to be doubly unexpectable to him that she's hoping to keep her queer mistress. Yep. And um, she's got something in common. I, I strongly suspect Lillian wouldn't be okay with that either. Yep. I might be wrong, but my money says she wants to be number one or not at all. Yep. Um, but, um, I'm going to, I'm just going to let this be. I'm not going to get in the middle of yeah. the, that on either and, side. And he makes vague, polite, but black, po- polite, but obvious overtures to, um, if things do not work out between Van Svetlana or Tristan and Quintessa before they wed, that, you know, Cassandra is still there and available, but, yeah. you know, may not be forever because she's such a wonderful, valuable catch. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm certain there is someone out there that would, that would be very happy to to be in a relationship with her. And I will um, comment on her general bravery yeah. and um, make um, generously approving notions and don't dissuade him from yeah. the notion. So, but basically, Tyrion is um, very slightly upset and annoyed that the two prospects that he had his eyes on for his daughter have both gone off the table. Yeah. But he legitimately has nothing bad to say about Svetlana or Quintessa in the slightest. He thinks they're both fantastic, and he kind of thinks the sun shines out of Quintessa's ass. Well, it's good Because she, um, she went to bat for him when he yeah. was locked up by Drayliff. She really did. So his, his disapproval would be considerably stronger if they'd married... And he's, he's fairly open about this. His disapproval would be a lot stronger if they'd married other people, if they'd married, like, peasant girls, which Lady Svetlana clearly isn't because, you know, yeah. she's a noble of your kingdom. And a paladin of Aristotle. Yeah, yeah. Which I think probably does weigh with him. Yeah. I mean, he's he's not unaware that Quintessa's Frankly, la- ladyship is fictitious in the sense that you just gave it to her, but he's also not a fool. He understands everyone's lordships yeah, well, come I mean, from the, in the past they weren't and then they were. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it'd be one thing if we had this, you know, Minkayan-style 
the noble houses have been in place since the foundation of the kingdom for thousands of years, well, yeah. at least pre pre <laughs> Um But, you know, like, this is the river kingdoms, nobody's pattern of nobility goes back yeah. more than five... Because uh, you can't have a pattern of nobility without a kingdom. Nobody's pattern of nobility goes back more than four or five generations. But you, you definitely get the impression from him that he would deeply disapprove of his daughter marrying, say, uh, Leon. Yeah. You know, who is just a... A functionary. Yeah. But were you to ennoble Leon, then he would become acceptable. Yeah, because that's, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's about marrying into the right class, not some belief that nobility makes you inherently better. Yeah. It's about the future for his daughter and the future for his, his fictitious grandchildren and the future for the community, as opposed to any innate belief that nobles are better people. Yeah. So that's cool. Cool. So, um, yep, so I work that out and essentially make my plans to do this. Cool. I will put a, um, I, I am planning to put a cathedral in the church, in, um, Fort Drelev to placate the Church of Gorham and hopefully the Iron Lord. Cool. And I am planning to also, and first, put, upgrade my, um, well, rather, build a cathedral and move my temple. Yep. To, um... To Aristotle first, yep. Yep. to placate Tyrion. Yep, yep. Because I think he's got a reasonable point that yep. um, whatever I owe Gorham, I owe Aristotle more. Yeah, he he basically tells you, you know, he would personally strongly disapprove of, of building a cathedral with Gorham first, and he thinks a great many others would as well. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable and valid point. And the other thing is, like, what I'm getting is this is a situation that if I don't resolve it will inevitably lead to some sort of trouble. Not if I don't resolve it by next kingdom turn. Yep. The um, that guy with all the blades is going to land outside yep. my house and be there. Yeah. Once again, a good compromise will leave everyone unhappy. Yeah, but the thing is, I'm kind of nicking, n- messing with Tyrion by building it in Fort Drelev, and if what he wants is something I want to build anyway first, that's something I can work out. Yep. So I, I make my plans accordingly. I, I'm not really necessarily. Promising the Church of Gorham that I'll, I'm loosely letting the Church of Gorham know that this is one yeah, of my plans. You're not I'm making a, a public ceremony saying next month come hell or leather. Yeah, yeah it's, um, because the thing is I don't have to make a kingdom deal here. Yeah. I'm more generically expressing that, you know, and you know, some of these things you can solve with money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, that cathedral promotes Gorham's interests. It yeah. will bring a bunch more Goramites into the kingdom. Yeah. It will um, make Gorham a stronger religion. As far as anyone understands the metaphysics, it will make Gorham a stronger deity. Yeah, and the thing is that, um, you know, like, this is how I solved the Order of the Silver Twilight. I destroyed their priceless archaeological relic. I gave them another priceless archaeological relic. It doesn't bring the original one back. But it beats not giving, it beats screwing them and then not giving them anything. Cool. So that was what I wanted to accomplish. Yep. Um, there is one other thing that I want to accomplish, um, yep. which might be a good, um, thing to go out on, because I don't think we necessarily want to play through it. Yep. So, um, the, um, Michaela will, um, at one stage, um, you know, in her room in the castle late at night, um, hear a knock outside her door, and um, when she opens the door, assuming that she, you yes. know, checks, she will find, instead of a person, 
a um, little folded up note in a bottle. The folded up note says in Orkish, um, drink the, it's a potion of non-detection. Drink it and meet me in the woods. K. Interesting. And do you then see a scene coming from that? Yeah, so I, I, and basically my theory being she, being Michaela, tests it, confer, checks yeah, the like, handwriting. Like what we will see is there's yeah. the knock on the door. So, you know, Michaela calls out who's there. Several moments pass. Then there's a clunk noise and she opens the door with the tower shield in hand. Looks down, reads the note, smiles at this. You know, looks at the thing, pulls the cork out. Then still puts yeah. a finger in, you know, checks it, reads the note again, compares it to a piece of Caitlin's handwriting, then drinks it. Yeah. And basically I've, I've put on the note a, um, you know, a place that I have yeah. met her, uh, yes, yes, a so code of reference to a place. Yeah. She can find you in. Yeah. This is going to be um, roughly around where we beat Niska to death, because that's a... Um, cool. Where, where the old hag... Where we cut the head off the old hag. Yep. Some mysterious meeting in the woods at midnight kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm thinking if, if she she skulks out there and Kalen will um and and meets Kalen, Kalen has a line and then we do dum 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 from there. Sure. So, Michaela will come out of the woods um in the absence of other instruction, fully armed and armored. Yeah. Um, and then sort of looks around in the trees. Kalen. Kalen. Michaela, thanks for coming. Always. This needs to be done quiet-like, and Kalen will unfurl a scroll of commune. I need the Puck's help. Ah. We need to find out a bit more about Lady Contessa Moray. And Michaela's eyes look... You, Michaela's eyes look look very sort of satisfied as she as you say we need the puck's help and you know she starts nodding and and you know thinking about mysteries and then you say you know we need to find out more about Quintess Murray and her eyes go wider and then lid with satisfaction. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Dun.